1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for another Blue Gold
2: Report. I am Mike Rags. Going to bring in Todd Berlich here in a second. want to remind you of the Blue Gold Report being brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Uh, wherever you found the podcast, make sure you share and review us and rate us. And, of course, uh, if you're listening on ESPN 1380 and 100.9 FM in Fort Wayne, don't forget Fighting Irish Preview comes on right after us at 730. Well, they're 8-0. They are no. Number... Four in the college football playoff rankings. They're number three in the AP poll. We are talking, of course, about the Notre Dame football Irish. Uh, lots to get to after their trip out west against Navy. A nice win, um, and we've got some basketball to talk about. Some exhibition games and some victories there as well. Um, we and we've got Ian Book on the show today too. As a matter of fact, Todd had a chance to sit down and talk with him. We'll get his thoughts on the eight zero start. But let's bring in Todd Berlage right now, the lead writer for Blue Gold. Illustrated uh, all things Notre Dame. Todd, how are you, my friend? I'm all right. Rags, how you doing? And not too bad. Uh, a nice victory out there out west. Uh, you know, and uh, as much as we hear about. Brian Kelly's new demeanor, just (laughs) just don't throw an interception and that that old demeanor won't come out. Uh, That is uh, what we learned from uh, the weekend. And, you know, uh, I was listening to... uh, Phil Houck was on... uh, The host of Fighting Our Previous was on uh, the Fort Wayne station, ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM with Brett Rump. And Brett asked him a great question I wanted to pose to you and get your thoughts. And since you just came off a little discussion with Ian Book, maybe it's no better time than right now. um, He asked uh, Phil... If Brian Kelly doesn't make the change at quarterback, are we still a no and in the college football playoff hunt?
1: Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, I think that the improvements on offense, um, as dramatic as they've been, I believe that indeed Notre Dame would not be undefeated. I think even Brian Kelly, when he made the switch, he said, "Okay, it's not broken yet. But it's going to break. <laughs> they were putting too much on the defensive side of the football, right. and I think ultimately that was going to catch up with them. And
2: let's not forget, Ian's not the only change they made. And Dexter Williams started getting the ball a hell of a lot more and sure. started being very, very productive as well. Uh, I tend to agree, um, but uh, you know, let's face it, they did beat Michigan. Brandon Wimbush was the quarterback. Now it was a different Michigan team, perhaps at the time, sure. um, and it's a little perplexing. As we'll talk about the college football ranking here and uh, for a little bit. The Todd, uh, playoff poll. Did they get screwed a little at number four and not be number three? They do. They did beat Michigan after all, which is right on the cusp of making the playoff.
1: Well, you're stealing one of my nuggets, but we can dive in if you'd like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have two nuggets instead of one. Then, yeah, exactly. I I, don't, I really don't think so. I don't really think it matters. The first poll make, makes right, no difference. Obviously, so I, it's clearly, if Notre Dame wins out, they're gonna uh, they're gonna be in the playoffs and. And Alabama plays LSU this weekend, so there you have that. And LSU does have some great wins in there as well. Six. They lead the FBS with six wins against uh, teams with winning records, and Notre Dame only has three. So certainly when you look at the schedules, uh, one against the other, LSU holds up a little bit better. All
2: right, we'll talk about the rest of the schedule coming up, too. We are in the last quarter of the season here, uh, and uh, or last third of the season, and we talk about uh, how November usually goes for Notre Dame. We'll see what happens as we turn the calendar. But let's get into our blue gold number. Let's see
1: what Todd Burlage does have for us right now. Todd, what do you got? i right, start with a little hockey here. Kind of an interesting event that just was scheduled this week. Um, Notre Dame's going to play Michigan at the stadium in hockey. It's going to be on January 5th. Tickets go on sale November 5th. That'll be Saturday A uh, Saturday afternoon game at 3.30. it be a pretty cool event, actually. Um, it comes on the heels of that Boston Bruins-Chicago Blackhawks game that's going to be out, played out at the stadium on January 1st. So they're going to keep the rink up. And then have Notre Dame play again. I think it's. I think it's a good idea. It'll be the Irish, the third game outdoor game for the Irish in its history. Uh, they beat Miami, Ohio, two to one at Soldier Field in 2013, and then lost to Boston College four to three at Fenway Park in 2014. So again, that game will be on January fifth. Tickets go sale go on sale on November fifth. Injury report. Injury report. Here we go. Uh, the big one. Talk of the week. Really, uh, Drew Tranquil. Um, Injured his ankle, high ankle sprain. He was in a boot, but Brian Kelly held out hope that he's going to play. We'll have to wait and see how much and if at all. Uh, But he did practice this week. He practiced Thursday. He didn't practice early in the week. So Brian Kelly's still holding out hope that he can get him in there. He'll at least get a chance, I believe, to test it out, see how it feels, and and then um, we'll have to see how it goes from there. But that's a tough injury for Notre Dame, especially if he cannot play at all. If he can't, you'll get some sort of combination of senior Asmar Bilal He's kind of the starting rover guy, but he can slide over to that linebacker position. Uh, Sophomore Jordan Gemark-Heath, he's another guy that could step in there. He's actually Tranquil's backup, so expect to see him. And here's kind of the surprising one, sophomore Drew White, who ended up filling in for Tranquil in the Navy game when Tranquil was injured. This guy had never really played. Brian Kelly just pulled him off the scout team, as a matter of fact. Played well, finished with six tackles in that Navy game, so... Uh, those will be your backups if indeed Drew Tranquil can't go. Senior tight end Alzay Mack suffered a head injury against Navy. He did not get through concussion protocol this week. Rags, so he is listed as out. Justin Yoon, who did not play against Navy, is called 100% and ready ready to go. The senior place kicker there for Notre Dame. I was going to wrap this up again with the uh, Notre Dame coming in, in the first playoff pull at number four. You mentioned it, LSU number three, seven and one. uh, So Notre Dame of the three eight no, well they're four eight knows if you count uh, the central Central Florida right, or is it South Florida? South Florida, I get mixed up. South Florida, Central Florida, but they're also eight no, but they're kind of irrelevant. Alabama one, Clemson two, no surprises there. LSU three, Notre Dame four, and Michigan number five there. Uh, And as I mentioned, LSU plays Alabama this weekend, so somebody's going to get a loss there. You know, as it turns out, Rags, we're going to talk about November here in a little bit, but Notre Dame still has a game at number 19, Syracuse. Yep. Actually, that's at Yankee Stadium. This is no gimme this week at Northwestern. Then eventually you have to go out to USC. So, all in all, this schedule does heat up a little bit for Notre Dame. So, if you're worried about Notre Dame winning out and still not making them in the playoffs, I think you can rest. You can put those to rest because this schedule is not exactly easy the rest of the way for the Irish, and those are your blue gold nuggets.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's uh, UCF. Um, Central Florida, and they didn't they get like aren't they 18th or something like that in the college football yeah. playing mm-hmm. uh, playoff rankings and that's as high as they've ever gotten I think so uh, all due respect didn't they say they won the national championship last yeah, year after they won their bowl game
1: I don't think they've lost in like four years <laughs>
2: kind of, yeah they're like the North Dakota State <laughs> right. of in uh, the FCS um, all right so 44 22 over Navy on Sunday now here's the thing um, that trifecta is working the book. Williams Boykin trifecta
1: mm-hmm. that uh, when it works they've they've really
2: blown out some teams and it worked again this Saturday
1: yeah forty four twenty two Notre Dame was up twenty seven nothing at halftime I think the stat before we get to the individuals the stat that jumped out at me is Notre Dame had ten possessions in this game okay and that's very important when it comes to playing Navy um, and they did it because they held Navy to two and twelve on third down and that's where Navy really makes its living on third and fourth down. Uh, So 10 possessions may may not seem like a lot, and when you're talking about a regular college football game, but it's a lot here. I mean, consider that a couple years ago when Navy upset Notre Dame, they actually only had six possessions in the entire game. Wow. They had six possessions in the first half of this one here last weekend, so that goes to show you right there. And then last year, Notre Dame had seven possessions in a win, but the time of possession, Navy had 42 minutes Nordame had it 18 minutes. Wow. So, a huge discrepancy there. So, I think that was the stat of the game for me. You mentioned Dexter Williams. He just continues to hum along. 23 carries. That's a career high. Uh, this is from a guy who uh, is getting 20 plus carries about every game. Came into the season never having more than eight carries in one single game. So, he's becoming a workhorse back and handling it well. 142 yards, three more TDs. Rags, he hasn't, because of this four game suspension, he has not had enough games to qualify for the NCAA statistics. But if, if he were, 128 yards a game would rank 7th in the country and his 6.9 yards per carry would rank 8th in the nation so that That's goes to show you, yeah that goes to show you what a good job he's doing
2: I was also uh, good to see uh, the other running back, Jafar Armstrong, get some production uh, as well. As I watched the tape, he, you know, uh, over 111, 116 yards from scrimmage. It's nice to get him back into the mix because we, you know, we were worried not only about injury, but, you know, he got out to such a hot start. It's good to have him get some production as well.
1: Yeah, and he really compliments Williams well. Not that Williams is a bad pass receiver. As a matter of fact, he caught three balls in this game. I believe it was for 27 yards, but certainly Jafar Armstrong coming over to a running back from the wide receiver. Receiver position certainly brings another dynamic and yeah most of the bulk of his yards were it through the air uh, with five catches and 64 yards actually the 64 yards let all irish receivers
2: and it's interesting too how tony jones jr has kind of weirdly become the odd man out here uh we, we going into this season we thought maybe he was the front runner You had yeah. dexter having the problems off the field uh you thought tj uh jr would be the guy uh leading the pack but it Turns out he gets a handful of carries every once in a blue moon.
1: Yeah, three carries for twelve yards. That was it, kind of mop up duty there. But yeah, you're right because actually, opening day against Michigan, he was the starter. So you're right. I don't know if something's going on in practice there, or obviously you can't sit Dexter Williams down. And I, I believe they really like they, they've been raving about Jafar Armstrong really all the way through training camp and up to now.
2: Yeah, and I and, and we will rave a little bit more about Ian Book. Uh, and and we, I asked you that question too, and, and we'll hear from him too. Um, you know, he's so accurate. I think that's that. The answer to the question whether they'd still be eight zero with Wimbush is got to be no, because of how accurate the quarterback has been now for Notre Dame. Ian Book has been ridiculous, almost eighty percent.
1: Yeah, it's crazy what he's done seventy six point five percent, which is uh, obviously leads the nation, and it is on pace big time just to smash the Notre Dame single season record, which is held by Jimmy Clausen. He completed 68% of his passes in 2009. That's the record. Let me give you a little bit further breakdown here. Book has thrown a hundred. He's obviously made five starts. He's thrown 170 passes. He's completed 130 of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. Uh, 1,488 yards. That's 293 yards a game, uh, which is pretty impressive stuff. Uh, 13 TDs and four picks. So he's this year he has thrown in one an interception every 42 and a half attempts. Well, I brought that up because I wanted to compare it to last year. He threw the ball 75 times and had the same amount of picks, four. Uh, so that was at an interception every 18.7 attempts. So I think I, I think that goes to show the improvement. I'm going to pop Brian Kelly here in a second, but I did want to bring this up real quick because it goes to that initial question you asked. Uh, Notre Dame has now won under, under Ian Book. It's five games by about 20 points just to tick under 20 points a game, and that's getting it done. And when you consider that this team is averaging 40.4 points a game offensively under Book compared to 23.3 points a game under Wimbush, I think indeed that they are in much better hands uh, with Ian Book. And actually, here's Brian Kelly kind of talking about Book's evolution and, and really his accuracy as a whole.
0: The accuracy piece was always there. You know, He was always extremely accurate in a When we recruited him, he was a 70% thrower of the football. I mean, he was a high-percentage thrower. He was extremely accurate. But his development took time and, and, and certainly within this offense, his understanding of the leverage points within the offensive structure in the run and pass game is what got him to the point where he became the starter. His ability to understand the nuances of the offense and you then gaining an advantage tactically um, allows for high completion percentage. He knows where... The leverage points are within the offense that gives you an advantage against the defense. So he just he's a really smart quarterback who understands where he has um, an advantage against the defense, and he takes advantage of it. So it's not just in one place. It's not like I'm going to Miles or I'm, I'm going to Fink. He goes to the receiver that has a leverage position against the defense in the structure, and that and because he's he's accurate as a thrower, he then gives it to the receiver that has the best chance of being successful. That's why it goes to nine different guys. So you add accuracy of throwing and an understanding of, of the offense, and that's why you have the high percentage. Rags,
1: right, he talked about Brian Kelly, touched on it there, nine different receivers, and it's something that you mentioned quite a bit. This isn't the first time we've looked at a box score and seen a long list yeah. of receivers that uh. Ian Book has completed pass to, passes to. Seven of those nine had multiple catches, so it's not just you know just kind of oh we'll give him one and that's how you get that list.
2: I think the only anomaly would be out of the backfield catches. It was a little higher this game than it was in other games with the running backs getting as many catches as they did. Yeah, good point. And 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 obviously, like I said, you know I was a little surprised at uh, Brian's reaction to the interception. Were you at all surprised? It was. I know it got a lot of play on Twitter and all that stuff about you know, the, the purple face is back and all that stuff, but it I don't know if it was an overreaction, but maybe it is part of the evolution of the quarterback.
1: Yeah, perhaps. I know, was it just last week we were talking about demeanor yeah, and all this yeah, stuff, and, and you told me just to bite my tongue a little bit on that, because the season isn't over yet, and looks like you <laughs> knew something. You know, when when Ian Book completed his first five passes against Navy, if you take it back to the pit game, he completed his final 10 passes in that game. So, over two games, he had actually completed 15 passes in a row, which is the second longest streak in Notre Dame history. And you're going to be surprised who holds the record. It's 25, 25 straight completions. And it's by Everett Golson in 2014. That's how good they were playing that year, right? Who would have thunk that, right?
2: Well, with that wide receiver core and and the tight ends, I I, I can believe it, but that was uh, so many moons ago. Well, let's talk about this uh, quarterback a little bit more, uh, Todd, because you had a chance to speak with him. And, you know, uh, everybody's talking about his demeanor on the field and his accuracy and all that stuff. Mike, I I guess I'm curious is what, what the kid is like off the field you know um does he does he own a room when he walks into it that kind of stuff because that's what you want to see out of your quarterback
1: you know he's very cool and very calm you know I, he just strikes me as one of those guys that nothing can rattle him right so he, when brian kelly gets up in his grill i don't think it bothers him <laughs> one bit he gave <laughs> a lot of credit i had his chance to sit there's about a two and a half minute interview i had a chance to sit down with him when kind of the smoke and the crowd had cleared and and I was quizzing him on a few different things. I want to know about how much Tommy Reese has helped him. And he'll answer this question. good question. And I liked his answer because he said, look, Tommy Reese has been been here, done that, basically in the same situation I am in. So he really relates well to him. So let's pop that interview in, Rags. You're leading the nation in
3: completion percentage. And can you kind of walk me through that evolution? Yeah, I mean, it's something I take pride in. I gotta, it gets that much easier in a sense if you can know where you're gonna go and not guess, obviously. So, and I think that comes with reps, being able to get some reps and some more reps and practice and in games and repetition and working with the guys and studying film every day with Coach Reese and having him help me, you know, make the offense as simple as possible. And um, obviously, it's still something I need to get better at. Everyone can get better at that. And, it's something that I really think about a lot, just trying to just dumb it down a little bit and make it as easy as possible, know where to go with the football, have no hesitation, because when you have no hesitation, that's when you play the best. How much does Coach Reese, how much does he help you with the, that evolution? A, a ton. Uh, coach Reese is a great coach. Um, I honestly can't thank him enough. He's really elevated my game, just being able to meet with him every day and being able to learn from someone who's, who's played not too long ago and played the position that I'm playing in the spot that I'm playing so he really understands what's going on and uh, we have a great relationship and I think you know it's easy to learn under him I honestly can't thank him enough.
1: Going back to the completion percentage just for one more here how quickly
3: do you recognize what you want to do is that pre-snap post-snap does that depend on the play? Uh, It's both it's having a pre-snap look having a post-snap look um and then just not hesitating, you know, if it's open, take it. If not, you got to next down and live to play another down. And uh, knowing knowing the situation in the game and where we need to get, where the sticks are, it's a bunch of stuff. So, you know, it's you it know, comes with um, just kind of what the process and everything that we're learning every day and uh, everything that we're studying in the phone rooms. I'm going to sneak one more in. How, how hard is it to juggle all of that? It's a great challenge uh, being a student athlete here. It's definitely not easy, but it's something I wanted to do since i've been playing football so you know it's a dream and then it's a blessing and um you know you don't want to treat it as like a pressure or anything because it's not you know there's a lot of people who want to be in our spots and um you know it's a lot of hard work a lot of long hours but it's more than worth it for sure yeah he
2: sounds like a great kid todd i wonder how long before he becomes a national star where everybody's talking about him a little bit more than they are already
1: I think it's going to happen here. We're going to, this November is going to define him. It's going to define this team. So I think everybody's still a little bit reluctant, not completely buying into Notre Dame, in part because of the schedule and in part because they know this November history. If he
2: wins a playoff game, and it's a big if, uh, they're going to be having other conversations going into next season about the kind of season he can have. And that's the Heisman Trophy. They're going to bring that up.
1: There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's a good point.
2: All right, Todd. Well, uh, but listen, I'm talking playoffs a little prematurely because we've got a lot to do yet uh, in this season with the Novembers we've had in the past why should we think it's going to turn out all right? And can they survive this November? You know, it looked like a couple of weeks ago, eh, you know, they could probably, you know, I don't see, they're going to be favored a lot in these games, but Northwestern's playing really well yeah, right mm-hmm. now. Syracuse scares me, even though it's technically a home game. And then you still got that trip back out West coming up at the end of the year. Although USC, um, again, they'll be playing like it's their Super Bowl. I just can't see them uh, matching up, but, the, the 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 two games here the every other game, <laughs> it this weekend Northwestern and two weeks against Syracuse. I'm a little worried. I'm I'm a little uh, hesitant to say that they can win out pretty easily.
1: And who would have thought in September that the one game we didn't haven't even brought up in November is Florida State? Yeah, <laughs> we're just yeah. kind of dismissing. I know that was the one we just said. <laughs> it's true. It's we're, true. We're dismissing Florida State. But yeah, when you go when you talk about November, keep in mind now Brian Kelly over the last three seasons. I'm sorry, over the last 10 November games, he's only won three of them. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's really... That
2: gets other coaches fired, you know, I'm just saying.
1: And since the 2012 season, when they went undefeated, obviously, in November, they're only 15 and 17. And, uh, you know, we all know 2015 and then last year, 17, they were in the playoff discussion into November, and those all quickly fizzled. So, Brian Kelly was asked, he's been asked about it quite a bit this year, but November's finally here, so now it really matters what he has to say. He just thinks this team has a different mindset and that they learned a whole bunch from what happened last year when they went into November undefeated and came out with two losses.
0: It's a different team each year, right? I'm talking to different kids this year than I was last year. I think our focus, a lot of those guys went through it last year. Um, so they know they know the things that we can't do. Um, so I think it's much more about um, having a football team that's experienced it um, been through it um, and wants to get on the other side of it. Um, they have a process that they know has gotten them here. You know, they've won 18 games over the last two years and lost three. So they know the process works. They've got four weeks. So I think they feel like if we just stay committed to our process, if we stay humble, um, if we really work on our recovery, and be prepared for the next guy to step in, then they'll be fine. So I, I just think that just the knowledge of going through it and, and having it in front of us before and, and not finishing it the right way has been a great impetus for, for all the guys. This group knows that that uh, if they stay committed to it, they'll have success. So I think I think it's just that second year uh, with everybody uh, fully committed to it that uh, drives this a little bit differently.
2: And make no mistake, this is a primetime opponent on the road, and they just came off a huge win themselves. They beat Wisconsin, right. which a lot of t- people thought before the season started they were a playoff team, Wisconsin, and that was a road win for them. You take away their two early losses uh, to Duke and Akron on the on the road out of the equation, and you're talking about a powerhouse team here, and by the way, they are in first place in their division in the Big Ten.
1: They could make the Big Ten championship and win that title. Did you know that they have won 12 of their last 13 13- Big Ten games. I did not know that. No, that's a great stat right there. Thank God we're not in the Big Ten like I wanted us to be. (laughs) Five and three overall. Uh, The three losses came in succession early in the season. They beat Purdue in the season opener, which was kind of a weird season opener to have a conference game like that. Then they lost consecutive games to, you mentioned to them, uh, Akron and then uh, Duke and then Michigan as well. That was a close game, 20-17 to against Michigan. Uh, But now they've rattled off four straight wins. One of them at Michigan State. Uh, Nebraska, uh, at Rutgers, Wisconsin. Most of these have been close games uh, outside of the Wisconsin, which was 31-17. This is a heck of a football team. It's a dangerous football team, and it's an improving football team. Pat Fitzgerald has done a masterful job there. He's been there for 12 seasons. This program was was nothing when he took it over. 12 seasons, eight bowl games, eight bowl appearances, and then he's recorded three of the four bowl wins this program has had in its history. In its entire history, so again, a well-coached team and, and underrated big, team. This is the biggest game they've had on campus since
2: that Ohio State game a yeah, couple of years ago. Point. This is going to be a huge, uh, obviously, so huge they put it on prime time. They knew that, uh, you know, and you're dealing with Chicago, a major market, so that
1: is part of the reason why this has turned into a night game. Yeah, and it's it's a cozy stadium. I believe I saw forty-four thousand there. Um, so. I don't know. At first, I didn't think much of this game, but as I've watched Northwestern improve through this season, spring, string together this, this four game winning streak, I'm starting to rethink it a little bit. This is going to be a pretty good football game, I think.
2: Yeah, and I guess they're led by this Isaiah Bowser more than anything else at running back. So, um, look. Yeah, four year starter
1: and, yeah. and Clayton Thorson, Thorson at, at yeah. quarterback. So, a lot of poise there. Yeah,
2: he is, but he's inaccurate. I'm, I'm not, you know, it's he's a different kind of four year starter. Uh, I don't know how confident I am going into this game. I do think they're going to win. I think it's going to be a tough, tough game, a battered and bruised kind of game. This is not going to be any kind of laugh or going away here, Todd. We'll have our predictions here a little bit later on after we talk some basketball, but... Uh, by no means, you know, some people call this a trap game. What is it a trap of? I mean, they they got to win every game. There's no more traps. exactly. Because if you listen to all the prognosticators, any kind of loss, a one-loss Notre Dame team is
1: not making the playoffs, people. No, not, no chance. So, yeah, like, like we said last week, Notre Dame's playoffs, it, it's already started for yeah. them.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, uh, we'll go to our predictions in a second here, but let's talk quickly about basketball. Men and women, they both played. They got exhibition games under their belt, and it was uh, they both uh, came out pretty unscathed, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's all you're looking for is not to have any injuries or anything. Actually, Notre Dame kind of had a secret scrimmage against Cincinnati since last we talked. They, were, they don't keep score or anything, and nobody's really allowed to know anything about it, but... Uh, reunited Mick Cronin, the Cincinnati coach, and Mike Bray. But Did they
2: use one of those scoreboards that you flip over the numbers? <laughs> I
1: think so, exactly. <laughs> or just a paper one that you sit at the scorer's desk with. Um, the men then played Central State here at home in a uh, exhibition game. That's the only exhibition game this year. So they typically play two. I don't know if that goes into that scrimmage thing or what. But the men took care of business 76-54. Uh, T.J. Gibbs led the team and the game was 17 John Mooney had it 11. And freshman, Dane Goodwin, uh, the bench scored for Notre Dame, 36 points. And uh, Dane Goodwin paced that bench. Freshman uh, with 10 points. Notre Dame will actually open the regular season Tuesday, November 6th. That's 7 p.m. against Illinois-Chicago. And then they will play on Thursday, two days later, against Chicago State. Again, 7 p.m. Both those games at Purcell Pavilion. That's part of that Gotham Classic thing. Uh, Moving on to the ladies' hoops. Uh... Probably the biggest news of the week, Enrique Ogamboale. She was named first-team preseason AP All-American. No surprises there. She's joined on that team by Oregon's Sabrina Ainscu. Oh, shoot, I knew I was going to blow ask <laughs> you, Not too bad there. Louisville's Asia Durr, UConn's Katie Samuelson, and Baylor's Kalani Brown. Uh, the ladies also played an exhibition game this week, and they cruised by Lewis University, a school that's near Chicago. Uh, that was on Tuesday, 107-65. to 65. It's funny, we've been talking about all these players, all these players on the women's side. We never mentioned Jackie Young. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. That's how good they are <laughs> yeah. when Jackie Crazy. Young falls through the cracks. She led the team with 25 points. Jess Shepard had 23. Bree Turner had 18. Um, Michaela Vaughn had a double-double with 11 points and 15 boards. They will open the season on Friday, November 9th, 4 p.m., a weird start time, 4 p.m. on a Friday uh, versus Harvard. Um, and also this week, Notre Dame was picked for the first time in program history, they are a unanimous number one preseason pick across the board. Every every poll has them as the number one team. So that was kind of your Your hoops news for the week. And real quick, hockey, there's a good uh, weekend
2: over uh, at the the Compton Family Ice Arena. They're hosting Ohio State this weekend coming in. They are the fifth-ranked team in the country, although they did come off getting swept by Duluth. Um, So it it is fun. It's 7.30 on Friday, and then same thing on Saturday. So if you want to go see some good hockey, this weekend's the way to do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Big Ten opener, number 6 Ohio State against number 5 Notre Dame, but yeah. Notre Dame went into last week and ranked number one in the country, but yeah, they got swept here at home 3-2 and 3-1 to Duluth. Boy, that Duluth, they have some big dudes. I went to a couple of those games, and wow, they have a guy that was 6-6, a guy that's 6-8. <laughs> they just have some monsters out there. So Notre Dame now stands at three wins, two losses, and one tie and dropped to number five. Not that it matters a whole heck of a lot this time of year.
2: All right, back to football before we sign off. And if you're listening on radio, don't forget Fighting Irish Preview coming up. Phil Houck and Tim Priester, Tim, uh, 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 Todd. Oh, who do you like on Saturday here um for the Notre
1: Dame Northwestern game? I think game? it's the first game that's going to be the, really very honorary for Notre Dame I think the Irish get it done I don't think they cover that 10point spread yeah no. um I like Notre Dame 31 to 23. I have a feeling I just this true tranquil thing has me a little bit concerned here I don't I don't know if he's going to be able to play or play extensively and I think that's going to hurt Notre Dame a little bit it looked worse last weekend when he was walking around in a boot, yeah, so right, the things right. are looking
2: up. 31-28, to 28 I've got them oh, winning, geez. so uh, I got a little more of a squeaker, and uh, I think that uh, they, they pull it out. But it, you can tell in both of our voices, we're not too high on life heading into this Saturday's game, Todd. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully they're 9-0 and next weekend.
1: Yeah, Northwestern's won the last two meetings in this series, mm. so looking for three in a row
2: against Notre Dame. <laughs> Here we go. All uh, right, we'll do it again next week. Todd Burlage, Mike Rags with the Blue Gold Report Podcast brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Don't forget to, wherever you download us, make sure you rate and review us and share us with all your friends.
0: This has been a presentation of Opt In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.